Section 44 of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 4, by James Boswell. Section 44. Feeling very soon that the manner in which he had written might hurt me, he two days afterwards, July 28, wrote to me again, giving me an account of his sufferings, after which he thus proceeds. Before this letter you will have had one, which I hope you will not take amiss. For it contains only truth, and that truth kindly intended, spartum quam noctus es orna. Make the most and best of your lot, and compare yourself not with the few that are above you, but with the multitudes which are below you go steadily forward with lawful business or honest diversions b as temple says of the dutchman well when you are not ill and pleased when you are not angry footnote temple says of the spleen that it is a disease too refined for this country and people who are well when they are not ill and pleased when they are not troubled are content because they think little of it and seek their happiness in the common eases and commodities of life or the increase of riches not amusing themselves with the more speculative contrivances of passion or refinements of pleasure and a footnote this may seem but an ill return for your tenderness but i mean it well for i love you with great ardor and sincerity pay my respects to dear mrs boswell and teach the young ones to love me i unfortunately was so much indisposed during a considerable part of the year that it was not or at least i thought it was not in my power to write to my illustrious friend as formerly or without expressing such complaints as offended him having conjured him not to do to me the injustice of charging me with affectation i was with much regret long silent his last letter to me then came and affected me very tenderly to james boswell esq dear sir i have this summer sometimes amended and sometimes relapsed but upon the whole have lost ground very much my legs are extremely weak and my breath very short and the water is now increasing upon me in this uncomfortable state your letters used to relieve what is the reason that i have them no longer are you sick or are you sullen whatever be the reason if it be less than necessity drive it away and of the short life that we have make the best use for yourself and for your friends i am sometimes afraid that your omission to write has some real cause and shall be glad to know that you are not sick and that nothing ill has befallen dear mrs boswell or any of your family i am sir your etc sam johnson lickfield november fifth seventeen eighty four yet it was not a little painful to me to find that in a paragraph of this letter which i have omitted he still persevered in arraigning me as before which was strange in him who had so much experience of what i suffered i however wrote to him two as kind letters as i could the last of which came too late to be read by him for his illness increased more rapidly upon him than i had apprehended but i had the consolation of being informed that he spoke of me on his deathbed with affection and i look forward with the humble hope of renewing our friendship in a better world i now relieve the readers of this work from any farther personal notice of its author who if he should be thought to have obtruded himself too much upon their attention requests them to consider the peculiar plan of his biographical undertaking soon after johnson's return to the metropolis both the asthma and dropsy became more violent and distressful he had for some time kept a journal in latin of the state of his illness and the remedies which he used under the title of agiri ephemeris which he began on the sixth of july but continued it no longer than the eighth of november finding i suppose that it was a mournful and unavailing register 
it is in my possession and is written with great care and accuracy still his love of literature did not fail footnote it is truly wonderful to consider the extent and constancy of johnson's literary ardor notwithstanding the melancholy which clouded and embittered his existence besides the numerous and various works which he executed he had at different times formed schemes of a great many more of which the following catalogue was given by him to mr langton and by that gentleman presented to his majesty divinity a small book of precepts and directions for piety the hint taken from the directions in morton's exercise philosophy history and literature in general history of criticism as it relates to judging of authors from aristotle to the present age an account of the rise and improvements of that art of the different opinions of authors ancient and modern translation of the history of herodian new edition of fairfax's translation of tasso with notes glossary etc chaucer a new edition of him from manuscripts and old editions with various readings conjectures remarks on his language and the changes it had undergone from the earliest times to his age and from his to the present with notes explanatory of customs etc and references to boccaccio and other authors from whom he has borrowed with an account of the liberties he has taken in telling the stories his life and an exact etymological glossary aristotle's rhetoric a translation of it into english a collection of letters translated from the modern writers with some account of the several authors oldham's poems with notes historical and critical roscommon's poems with notes lives of the philosophers written with a polite air in such a manner as may divert as well as instruct history of the heathen mythology with an explication of the fables both allegorical and historical with references to the poets history of the state of venice in a compendious manner aristotle's ethics an english translation of them with notes geographical dictionary from the french heracles upon pythagoras translated into english perhaps with notes this is done by norris a book of letters upon all kinds of subjects claudian a new edition of his work cum notis variorum in the manner of berman tully's tusculan questions a translation of them tully's de natura deorum a translation of those books benzo's new history of the world to be translated machiavel's history of florence to be translated history of the revival of learning in europe containing an account of whatever contributed to the restoration of literature such as controversies printing the destruction of the greek empire the encouragement of great men with the lives of the most eminent patrons and most eminent early professors of all kinds of learning in different countries a body of chronology in verse with historical notes a table of spectators tattlers and guardians distinguished by figures into six degrees of value with notes giving the reasons of preference or degradation a collection of letters from english authors with a preface giving some account of the writers with reasons for selection and criticism upon styles remarks on each letter if needful a collection of proverbs from various languages january six fifty three a dictionary to the common prayer in imitation of calumet's dictionary of the bible march fifty two a collection of stories and examples like those of valerius maximus january ten fifty three from Elian, a volume of select stories perhaps from others january twenty eight fifty three collection of travels voyages adventures and descriptions of countries dictionary of ancient history and mythology treatise on the study of polite literature containing the history of learning directions for editions commentaries etc maxims characters and sentiments after the manner of bruyer collected out of ancient authors particularly the greek with apophthegms classical miscellanies select translations from ancient greek and latin authors lives of illustrious persons as well as of 
the active as the learned in imitation of plutarch judgment of the learned upon english authors poetical dictionary of the english tongue considerations upon the present state of london collection of epigrams with notes and observations observations on the english language relating to words phrases and modes of speech minute literariae miscellaneous reflections criticisms emendations notes history of the constitution comparison of philosophical and christian morality by sentences collected from the moralists and fathers poetry and works of imagination hymn to ignorance the palace of sloth a vision colathus to be translated prejudice a poetical essay the palace of nonsense a vision johnson's extraordinary facility of composition when he shook off his constitutional indolence and resolutely sat down to write is admirably described by mr courtney in his poetical review which i have several times quoted while through life's maze he sent a piercing view his mind expansive to the object grew with various stores of erudition fraught the lively image the deep searching thought slept in repose but when the moment pressed the bright idea stood at once confessed instant his genius sped its vigorous rays and o'er the lettered world diffused a blaze as wombed with fire the cloud electric flies and calmly o'er the horizon seems to rise touched by the pointed steel the lightning flows and all the expanse with rich effulgence glows we shall in vain endeavor to know with exact precision every production of johnson's pen he owned to me that he had written about forty sermons but as i understood that he had given or sold them to different persons who were to preach them as their own he did not consider himself at liberty to acknowledge them would those who were thus aided by him who are still alive and the friends of those who are dead fairly inform the world it would be obligingly gratifying a reasonable curiosity to which there should i think now be no objection two volumes of them published since his death are sufficiently ascertained i have before me in his handwriting a fragment of twenty quarto leaves of a translation into english of sallust de bella catalinario when it was done i have no notion but it seems to have no very superior merit to mark it as his beside the publications heretofore mentioned i am satisfied from internal evidence to admit also as genuine the following with notwithstanding all my chronological care escaped me in the course of this work considerations on the case of dr trapp's sermons published in seventeen thirty nine in the gentleman's magazine these considerations were published not in seventeen thirty nine but in seventeen eighty seven it is a very ingenious deference of the right of abridging an author's work without being held as infringing his property this is one of the nicest questions in the law of literature and i cannot help thinking that the indulgence of abridging is often exceedingly injurious to authors and booksellers and should in very few cases be permitted at any rate to prevent difficult and uncertain discussion and give an absolute security to authors in the property of their labors no abridgment whatever should be permitted till after the expiration of such a number of years as the legislature may be pleased to fix but though it has been confidently ascribed to him i cannot allow that he wrote a dedication to both houses of parliament of a book entitled the evangelical history harmonized he was no croaker no declaimer against the times he would not have written that we are fallen upon an age in which corruption is not barely universal is universally confessed nor rapine preys on the public without opposition and perjury betrays it without inquiry nor would he to excite a speedy reformation have conjured up such phantoms of terror as these a few years longer and perhaps all endeavors will be in vain we may be swallowed by an earthquake we may be delivered to our enemies this is not johnsonian 
there are indeed in this dedication several sentences constructed upon the model of those of johnson but the imitation of the form without the spirit of his style has been so general that this of itself is not sufficient evidence even our newspaper writers aspire to it in an account of the funeral of edwin the comedian in the diary of november ninth seventeen ninety that son of drollery is thus described a man who had so often cheered the sullenness of vacancy and suspended the approaches of sorrow and in the dublin evening post august sixteenth seventeen ninety one there is the following paragraph it is a singular circumstance that in a city like this containing two hundred thousand people there are three months in the year during which no place of public amusement is open long vacation is here a vacation from pleasure as well as business nor is there any mode of passing the listless evenings of declining summer but in the riots of a tavern or the stupidity of a coffee-house i have not thought it necessary to specify every copy of verses written by johnson it being my intention to publish an authentic edition of all his poetry with notes boswell this catalogue as mr boswell calls it is by dr johnson entitled designs it seems from the hand that it was written early in life from the marginal date it appears that some portions were added in seventeen fifty two and fifty three croker and a footnote a very few days before his death he transmitted to his friend mr john nichols a list of the authors of the universal history mentioning their several shares in that work it has according to his direction been deposited in the british museum and is printed in the gentleman's magazine for december seventeen eighty four during his sleepless nights he amused himself by translating into latin verse from the greek many of the epigrams in the anthologica footnote on april nineteenth of this year he wrote when i lay sleepless i used to drive the night long by turning greek epigrams into latin i know not if i have not turned a hundred forty-five years earlier he described how boerhaave when he lay whole days and nights without sleep found no method of diverting his thoughts so effectual as meditation upon his studies and often relieved and mitigated the sense of his torments by the recollection of what he had read and by reviewing those stories of knowledge which he had reposited in his memory and footnote these translations with some other poems by him in latin he gave to his friend mr langton who having added a few notes sold them to the booksellers for a small sum to be given to some of johnson's relations which was accordingly done and they are printed in the collection of his works a very erroneous notion has circulated as to johnson's deficiency in the knowledge of the greek language partly owing to the modesty with which from knowing how much there was to be learnt he used to mention his own comparative acquisitions when mr cumberland footnote mr cumberland assures me that he was always treated with great courtesy by dr johnson who in his letters to mrs thrale thus speaks of that learned ingenious and accomplished gentleman the want of company is not an inconvenience but mr cumberland is a million boswell northcote according to hazlitt said that johnson and his friends never admitted c cumberland as one of the set sir joshua did not invite him to dinner if he had been in the room goldsmith would have flown out of it as if a dragon had been there i remember garrick once saying damn his dish-clout face his plays would never do if it were not for my patching them up and acting in them End of footnote. talked to him of the greek fragments which are so well illustrated in the observer and of the greek dramatists in general he candidly acknowledged his insufficiency in that particular branch of greek literature yet it may be said that though not a great he was a good greek scholar dr charles burney the younger who is universally acknowledged by the best judges to be one of the few men of this age who were very eminent for their skill in that noble language footnote dr parr said there are three great grecians in england porson is the first burney the third and who is the second i need not tell End of footnote 
has assured me that johnson could give a greek word for almost every english one and that although not sufficiently conversant in the niceties of the language he upon some occasions discovered even in these a considerable degree of critical acumen mr dalzell professor of greek at edinburgh whose skill in it is unquestionable mentioned to me in very liberal terms the impression which was made upon him by johnson in a conversation which they had in london concerning that language as johnson therefore was undoubtedly one of the first latin scholars in modern times let us not deny to his fame some additional splendor from greek footnote dr johnson said parr was an admirable scholar the classical scholar was forgotten in the great original contributor to the literature of his country upon his correct and profound knowledge of the latin language he wrote i have always spoken with unusual zeal and unusual confidence mrs piazzi recounts a triumph gained by johnson in a talk on greek literature End of footnote i shall now fulfil my promise of exhibiting specimens of various sorts of imitation of johnson's style in the transactions of the royal irish academy seventeen eighty seven there is an essay on the style of dr samuel johnson by the rev robert burroughs whose respect for the great object of his criticism is thus evinced in the concluding paragraph footnote we must smile at a little inaccuracy of metaphor in the preface to the transactions which is written by mr burroughs the critic of the style of johnson having with a just zeal for literature observed that the whole nation are called on to exert themselves afterwards says they are called on by every tie which can have a laudable influence on the heart of man boswell End footnote i have singled him out from the whole body of english writers because his universally acknowledged beauties would be most apt to induce imitation and i have treated rather on his faults than his perfections because an essay might comprise all the observations i could make upon his faults while volumes could not be sufficient for a treatise on his perfections mr burroughs has analyzed the composition of johnson and pointed out its peculiarities with much acuteness and i would recommend a careful perusal of his essay to those who being captivated by the union of perspicuity and splendor which the writings of johnson could contain without having a sufficient portion of his vigor of mind may be in danger of becoming bad copyists of his manner i however cannot but observe and i observe it to his credit that this learned gentleman has himself caught no mean degree of the expansion and harmony which independent of all other circumstances characterize the sentences of johnson thus in the preface to the volume in which his essay appears we find if it be said that in societies of this sort too much attention is frequently bestowed on subjects barren and speculative it may be answered that no one science is so little connected with the rest as not to afford many principles whose use may extend considerably beyond the science to which they primarily belong and that no proposition is so purely theoretical as to be totally incapable of being applied to practical purposes there is no apparent connection between duration and the cycloidal arch the properties of which duly attended to have furnished us with our best regulated methods of measuring time and he who has made himself master of the nature and affections of the logarithmic curve is not aware that he has advanced considerably towards ascertaining the proportionable density of the air at its various distances from the surface of the earth the ludicrous imitators of johnson's style are innumerable their general method is to accumulate hard words without considering that although he was fond of introducing them occasionally there is not a single sentence in all his writings where they are crowded together as in the first verse of the following imagery ode to him by mrs thrale which appeared in the newspapers servicial coctors vidwate dame opinest thou this gigantic frame procumbing at thy shrine shall cantonated by thy charms a captive in thine ambient arms perennially be thine johnson footnote johnson's wishing to unite himself with this rich widow was much talked of but i believe without foundation 
the report however gave occasion to a poem not without characteristical merit entitled ode to mrs thrale by samuel johnson l l d on their supposed approaching nuptials printed for mr falder in bond street i shall quote as a specimen the first three stanzas if e'er my fingers touch the lyre in satin fierce in pleasure gay shall not my thralia's smiles inspire shall sam refuse the sportive lay my dearest lady view your slave behold him as your very scrub eager to write as author grave or govern well the brewing tub to rich felicity thus raised my bosom glows with amorous fire porter no longer shall be praised tis i myself am thrales entire End of footnote this and a thousand other such attempts are totally unlike the original which the writers imagined they were turning into a ridicule there is not similarity enough for burlesque or even for caricature End of section forty four